Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you, my friends, and welcome once again to the Saturday Report with me, Coach Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur economic advisor. Welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital only station that plays today's best music, old school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety, a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day, such as mine. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And my friends, I want to engage with you. I want you to be part of the conversation. So, as always, hit me up on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Rizzle at Colt S. Taylor, and you know what? Just catch up with what I'm doing week in and week out at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. It should already be bookmarked because because if it isn't, you should do it right now. You just you should just do it right now. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Saturday report. And as you may remember, last week I discussed my problems with. Hyundai, specifically my Hyundai Tucson. And I thought to myself, Colt, do you want to talk about this again this week? Do you want to be that guy that just holds a grudge against a car company? Is is that something you really want to spend time and effort on? You used to hold grudges, but, you know, maybe you should just let things go. You know, nothing you can do about it. You just, you know, you're just consuming yourself over this. So, you know what, I think, you know what, maybe I'll just wait a week. Let it churn. Maybe by next week I'll be more fine with things and whatnot. So maybe maybe I just won't talk about Hyundai this week at all. I know I had told you that I would, but you know what? Let me try something different. It might be better for me holistically, spiritually and whatnot, emotionally. So that, that's that. Let me just go to the first story on my stack of stories here at Colt Sebastian Taylor HQ. Oh, the Times of India. It's a great Great source of news. In fact, fun fact, folks, AWSM Radio is one of the largest online radio stations serving uh, South Asia, Southeast Asia populations, not only over there, but people who have moved here to the United States over the years, very popular in those communities, like over 100,000, 100, I think, listeners every week, a large amount listen to my show every week, so what's... Let me just say thank you for listening. I'm glad you, you enjoy the show. Got a lot of, always get a lot of positive feedback and whatnot. But Times of India, let's just start this week fresh. Times of India. Let's see here. Hey, look, last month's Hyundai sales. Ah, oh, well, you know, this is totally by chance. Totally by chance. I didn't plan this at all. Hyundai sales. Well, you know, if that if fate is put a Hyundai story in front of my screen for the first story, there's nothing I can do about that, folks. That's just fate. You know, I I tried, I tried, and I I just keep getting pulled back in like uh, Corleone and Godfather's Three and whatnot. So let's go here. Times of India, Economic Times. Let's see, it's here. Hyundai. Hyundai sales up twenty six percent in February to sixty one thousand eight. 100 units. Wow. Well done, Hyundai. That's not too bad. India, obviously, is a big emerging economy. Lots of people are on e-cars there. Hyundai probably has a very large market potential out there. 
really, really growing a 26% jump of car sales in one month. That is pretty good. I mean, year over year, they're up 15%. That's also great. Boy, golly, it'd be just, uh, just be a damn shame if, uh, you know, that emerging markets and people who from there who've moved to the United States would hear me on a regular basis talking about Hyundai. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, since we're talking about Hyundai, you know what? I did get my car repaired this week. Here's the segue. And uh, guess what? Uh, cost me $4,000. $4,000. And I paid over 20 some thousand dollars for that used car. That used car here. Now, now I did a little research. Like, let's, what's the profit margin on a car? Well, for new, for new cars, cars fresh off the lot, mileage zero, it could be as low as 1% for car dealerships. A 1%. One to three percent profit margin. That that's that's not that's a very low profit margin. That's why they make their money in parts and repairs and whatnot. That's why I always take my uh, my vehicles elsewhere. But yeah, the new vehicle sales at car dealerships only one to three percent. Sometimes five percent. Luxury cars, there it's a little bit higher. And but you know what? This is not a used car. As I mentioned before, I bought it used at sixty thousand miles. Less than 20,000 miles later, less than two years of driving it, including one year of the pandemic where you just don't go anywhere, whatnot, needs a new transmission, $4,000, $4,000, whatnot. So, did I take it to Hyundai? (laughs) No, no, I did not take it to Hyundai. I did not take it to a Hyundai dealer. I don't know, maybe just something... Up to my mind, like, hmm, you know what? Maybe, maybe they don't take as good care of these cars as, as I thought they did. No, I took it to my mechanic, and I'll give him a plug. Bob Ellis in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Why, why would I give that, that wiry, that wiry guy a plug? Well, I, I'm looking at the bill right here. $4,000 and change. Lifetime parts and labor guarantee. That's right. This transmission blows out in two years. My friend Bob, my personal mechanic, has guaranteed this transmission and guaranteed the labor. A lowly mechanic in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, has a better guarantee for his parts and his labor than an international car company. That's right, folks. That's right. If you're if you're poking around, re- flipping through the India time, the Times of India, or you're flipping around on the U.S. edition. I don't know the U.S. edition, but and you're like, hmm, wow, Hyundai sales. That sounds like a great car. Well, maybe a new one. New one Hyundai warranties are very good. Used Hyundai's, uh, not so much. Not so much. You know, I did some more research just for my own curiosity. Profit margins, profit margins. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy. One to three percent on new cars. What about used cars? Because when you trade in a car to buy a new car, they don't give you 98% of that money back, do they? No. No, they don't. And then when they resell that used car, they're not like selling it for one or two percent of the credit they gave you on that new car, did they? No. No, they didn't. So, you know, it's funny. It's funny what you can find on the internet. Did you know that the markup on a used car can be 20, 30, 40, 
Well, golly, that's where you make your money right there. A 50% markup on a car? My goodness. That's no one. No wonder dealerships have so many used cars. That's a cash cow right there, my friend. A cash cow. So I thought to myself, boy, you know what? Four thousand dollars. That's about twenty percent of the amount of money I paid for that car. Huh? I wonder what the markup was on that car. Was that with it? Was a four thousand dollar markup? It was probably more. It was probably more. So we'll see what happens. I called the Hyundai people. I called them like, hey. Hyundai people, here's my case number. Just wanted to give you an update. Uh, for one thing, took them like 10 minutes to find my case. Mm, how convenient. And I said, hey, Hyundai folk, customer service. Listen, side note, if you call customer service anywhere, be nice to the customer service people, okay? Mary, who I talked to, she's not in charge of transmissions. She's not in charge of the dealership. She's a person probably working from home who deals with angry people day in and day out. There's no reason to be mad at a customer service person. They have zero, zero control over everything. They are data entry and they pass along the news to somebody else. So I talked to her. I was nice. She heard the irritation in my voice. That's for sure. But I told her, like, Mary, I know this isn't your fault. You're not in charge of transmission. If you were, you know, I'd be, I'd be a whole lot more angry. But I doubt you've been, I, I doubt you've been booted from transmissions down the, to customer service and whatnot. But I said, hey, Mary, listen, I should take this down. You, you tell someone who gets paid more than you and me put together, uh, maybe a boss you don't like, that you need to tune into AWSM Radio this Saturday because I've got things to say. I've got things to say. And to her correct, she said, oh, I will I will send this over to corporate and someone will get back to you in three to five days, maybe longer. Well, hopefully someone at Hyundai USA HQ is listening. And let me tell you, Hyundai, you want, you, you're going to want to move up that timetable. You're going to want to move up that time. You know, if I were you, my friends, you know, take, take today off. Take Sunday off. Maybe listen to the rebroadcast tomorrow at Sunday to take notes. Give me a call on Monday. Give me a call on Tuesday. I wouldn't wait three to five days because if you wait three to five days, I'm going to assume you're not appreciating my point. I'm going to assume you're ignoring me. Your social media folks ignore me real good. Oh, yeah, your social media folks, they'll reply to any stupid tweet you send them. My car's name is Kona. My car's name is, is Michael. I'll say, hey, how's the transmissions in your new Hyundai Tucson's? Silence. I mean, listen. Social media people—they're not controlling—they're not controlling, they're not controlling uh, transmissions either. But they are—they are in control of customer service. Social media is a customer service area of, of marketing. Mary did a great job. I was pretty happy talking to Mary on the phone. Can't say I'm all that happy about your Hyundai social media. I feel ignored. I feel ignored. So if you know, if I if I'm ignored, I don't appreciate it. If I'm ignored, I tend I just tend to get a little more get a little louder. They say the squeakiest wheel gets the most oil, and boy, howdy, I can be squeaky. I'm being squeaky right now. So hopefully the folks at Hyundai HQ will feel the need to talk to me because just I'm just I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking right now. You know, if I impact, you know, they sold 60,000 cars in India. Holy moly, that's a lot in a month. You know... At some point, one would think I'd be starting to impact that one way or another. I feel like I am. I know that I am. I'm very popular. I'm very, uh, yeah, handsome, smart, popular, also very friendly and whatnot. So tell you what, Hyundai HQ, you give me a call. You let me know what you feel about this. Because, again, I strongly feel 
that one if you if you believed in your car if you believed in your Hyundai Tucson which you were advertising the newly released one this weekend very nice by the way I think you would stand behind your product. I think you would stand behind your transmission. I have a mechanic in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, who stands behind the transmission he put in, stands behind the labor he put into that car. Why won't you? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Is that your policy? Is that your policy? It seems silly to me. It seems honestly like, uh, I don't know, I feel, I just feel a little swindled. I feel a little taking for a ride. Well, not when the transmission was broken, because I couldn't ride the car when the transmission was broken. I could barely get out of the barely get out of the parking lot when the transmission's broken. So I'll let you I'll let you mold that over, Hyundai. I'll let you think that over. I'll be back next week. I'll be back next week and uh maybe maybe by then you'll have someone give me a call and maybe we can maybe we can just sort this out. Maybe we can just sort this out and, and then I'll be satisfied. I'll be satisfied. If not, well, I guess I'll be back next week, friends. I'll be back next week and every week right here on AWSM Radio. <laughs> All right, let's get moving. We're going to stay in that part of the world now and go to Egypt, the land of pyramids and mummies and... The Suez Canal, yes, one of the most vital waterways in all of the world. It's been around for over 100 years. Uh, vital during World War One, World War II. Uh, it was closed for a, for a few years during the um, you know, 60s and 70s, during the uh, Israeli-Arab conflict and whatnot. But it is a vital, vital waterway. Uh, over 10% of the world's shipping goes through that canal, Okay goes through that canal, I think it's upwards to 12%. Sometimes it is a very vital waterway. They, uh, about a decade ago, they doubled the capacity of that waterway because previously it was like one ship this way, one ship that way, one ship this way, one ship that way uh, for a good portion of the uh, canal and uh, actually for all the canal, but then they added like a second lane on part of the canal that allows ships to go at the same time doubling the capacity of that canal. But there's still one part of the canal where it's just basically one lane, just one lane where if it's a super, super tanker, a super ship, only one can go through. Smaller ones, they go side by side. Well, this week, uh, a bit of a traffic jam. Uh, the, a, the eighth largest container ship in the world got stuck in the Suez Canal. Oh, okay, well, listen... Hey, happens to the best of us. Surely you can go around it. No, no. It got wedged uh, horizontally into the canal. And the ship is so big, it is bigger than the width of the canal. That's how big. This thing is, this this ship is as big as the Empire State Building in terms of length. And it got wedged in the side of the canal. The back end swung out and has blocking the entire canal shipping. Shipping has been coming to a complete stop. Ships cannot get past this ship, and this is like the only part of the canal that there's water there. There's not there's not two lanes in this part. So officials have been trying to unwedge, refloat uh, this this ship so they can get traffic moving in. And, and there's like 150 ships on either side of this wedge ship just backing up. And officials had hoped to get unstuck in a day or two. Now they're thinking, oh gosh, this might this might this might be a week or two to get to get uh get un unstucked. And this thing this this thing is huge. Imagine a bulldozer next to the Empire State Building. There's a picture of this little excavator trying to dig out 
sand and mud around the bow of the ship, and it's so tiny. They had to, like, enhance the photo. This thing is huge, and apparently it is stuck in about 35 feet of mud and sand, and they brought in some backhoes, some excavators. They're pulling a dredger up the canal to dredge some stuff around there. Uh, they're trying to make the ship lighter. They're trying to offload ballast water, which keeps the ship stable in heavy waters. So they'll have to put that ballast water back in so that the ship doesn't capsize in heavy weather. They're talking about uh, unloading uh, fuel from it to make it lighter so it makes so it floats up a little bit more so they can push it out. Um, you probably think, oh, okay, this, this is a container ship. So there's like those big container boxes on there. It is stacked to the brills. And I say, okay, well, listen, just offload some of the containers. How? How do you do that? Uh, they, that's done at a specialized port with those machines that pick them up and pick them down. And apparently, you can't get a crane in there. Like, there's no crane in that area that's tall enough to safely pull off those container boxes and put them down onto the ground next to the ship. There's just no way to do it. There's not a crane they can roll into the side of the canal. And the, I mean, the canal is not built to have these huge cranes on it. Uh, you can't float a crane on a barge up there. There's no crane available that's big enough to do that. This just isn't something that you plan for one not. So they're going to try to drudge it, make it lighter, get out there, but it might be a week, maybe more, that that they can't get this ship out of the way. And it's 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 a big deal because, I mean, if the Suez Canal is not available, you got to sail all the way around, all the way around the continent of Africa and what would be a, you know, three to eight day trip, it's about a month. That adds just a wee bit into shipping costs and whatnot. Um, officials do not think it's going to impact oil prices. Yes, there are oil tankers waiting to get by, but there's other ways to get oil across, so they don't think it's going to be a huge impact. Uh, it might be a slight disruption, but uh, if it was if it was closed for years, that'd be one thing, but it's not going to really impact things. They just you know, up the pipeline output and sort of shift around supplies. It, it should be okay, but, you know... That's not the only thing that goes through the canal. You got products, uh, you know, dry goods and whatnot, and uh, you know anything that anything that will spoil, like fruits and vegetables. Ooh, that might be might not be might not be such a great thing. Might not be such a great thing. Might be a might be a problem. Might be a problem. Um, so uh, also another thing here, like they don't quite know how this happened. Officially, officially, there was a sandstorm in the area. And they think the winds and the low visibility, the ship kind of got pushed to the side and slammed in there. And then their, you know, the, the momentum of the ship drove it into the side of the canal and swung out the back. There's a lot of questions going on there. Like, is that where what happened? Because that's very convenient for you to say it was a natural weather thing rather than maybe someone messed up on the government side about things. So we'll see what happens. I'll be following that. Uh, I did some research on the Suez Canal because I was curious. Uh, fun fact, um, during, between the, um, <coughs> uh, to the Israeli-Egyptian wars there, there is a big lake in the middle of the Suez Canal where ships kind of pause and let go, go back and forth. Well, the Suez Canal was closed for about, you know, five, seven, eight years. Uh, they put mines, they sunk ships to block it and whatnot so, so it could be used. Uh, eight ships got stuck in the canal for eight years. They sort of like, well, kids are going to be here for a while. 
and they sort of sort of tied their ships together and they maintained the ships and they sort of just weighed things out. They rotated crews in and out. Uh, apparently, they made their own postage stamps and the Egyptian government accepted this as legitimate postage stamps so they could mail letters back and forth. In fact, postage stamps, self-made postage stamps from these ships during the time that they were stuck in the Suez Canal are some of the most valuable postage stamps out there. They're, as you imagine, they're immensely rare. They sort of hand-drawn and printed postage stamps that, like, okay, they did that. Uh, apparently, they organized a Olympic Games, basically. There are Olympic Games. Those Olympics happened and whatnot. Uh, they had a ship big enough to play soccer on there. So they may do, being stuck there for a few years. I mean, not everyone was there for the whole eight years. You know, they would fly in, fly out, stay there for three months, and sort of maintain the ships. So, you know, ships just don't, ships, ships just don't stay afloat. They got to be maintained. But uh, anyway, Suez Canal, currently blocked. Uh, if you're expecting a shipment of, you know, shoes from the Suez Canal, eh, you might be waiting a while. I'll tell you what you won't have to wait for, my friends. That's my pal, DC, the DJ. And I'll tell you what, you know what? You don't have to wait for him. Usually he's only on Fridays at 9, Sundays at 10. But this weekend, this weekend, he has a house party tonight. Yes, this is Saturday Report with Cold Special Taylor. Tonight at 10 p.m. he is on AWSN Radio. If you missed him yesterday on Friday... Shame on you. But you can catch him tonight at 10 p.m. Tomorrow at 10 p.m. He is here all weekend. My mind is blown. What an amazing decision by AWSM Mandarin. Although, probably knowing DC, as popular as he is, they, he probably hasn't been available until now. He's so good at what he does. So you will want to listen to his show, DC Live in Effect, uh, which is which is usually on Fridays at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m. But you do not want to miss it tonight. The DC house party when he's smashing it on the ones and twos, kicking the beats from his South Florida compound. So whether you listen to this on Saturday or Sunday, tonight, 10 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, DC, you want to listen to him. He is our in-house DJ here at AWSM Radio. He is not to be missed, my friends. His transmission is always good. It is always great. It is always guaranteed to be a good time. It's time for our sad report story update. I need sound effects. Uh, no, it's not about Kanye West, although that's usually my updates. Taylor Swift, which I guess is somewhat in the peripheral of Kanye West, or is Kanye West in the peripheral of Taylor Swift? <sighs> Ooh, that's deep. Anyway, as you may remember from a few previous stories, Taylor Swift had put out a few pandemic albums, uh, one of which was... Evermore, an amusement park, <laughs> also named Evermore, sued Taylor Swift for copyright infringement, saying that that album would it would be confusing uh, the customers and attendees of the amusement park that I've never heard before. Uh, so they wanted they wanted some little they a little compensation about it. Well, uh, obviously Taylor Swift did not agree to said uh, assumption. But uh, this week, she revealed she is no longer in legal battle with this amusement park uh, to quote a spokesman of the Grammy winner. As a resolution of both lawsuits, the parties will drop and dismiss their respective suits without monetary settlement. So that means neither side is paying the other side for, I guess, anything, but they've, they've come to some sort of resolution. 
Uh, they didn't say what that resolution was. I don't know what it will be. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that maybe after the pandemic, she holds a concert there and they both make a little bit of money off of the Evermore, singing the Evermore album in the Evermore amusement park. For, like, for me, that seems like a win-win for everyone. Whatnot. I'm sure she has fans in Utah. I mean, I like her work and whatnot. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not in the Swift squad, as it were, uh, but she's a very talented artist. Somewhat, she's a very talented artist. If Taylor Swift, want to pop, Taylor Swift wants to pop on my show sometime, more than happy to have her. We're both from Pennsylvania, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So we have that in common. Anyways, uh, that lawsuit has been resolved, so I don't see any more Evermore updates Evermore again. From music to sports, we now go to Washington, D.C., to the NFL, where the Washington football team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, um, might be just keeping that name. Yes, uh, as you just as a refresher here, the Washington Redskins lost their trademark on the Redskins and whatnot because, you know, Native Americans didn't really appreciate the... Uh, portrayal of a redskin person on their helmets or the Washington Redskins, you know, they, they, they had a bit of an issue with it. Uh, so the patent office uh, revoked the trademarks for uh, that team. So they could no longer trademark the Washington Redskins or the symbols that go along with it. So while they tried to figure out what to call themselves and rebranding, uh, they, they would take a thorough review before making decisions. Last year, they're just known as the Washington football team. Um, they might just be keeping that name. Uh, apparently, apparently says there are a set of folks that have warmed to the Washington football team. Some of the things that are emerging from that are the Washington football team has something that ties deeply to our history. It feels like that isn't just all the things we have been in the past, whereas something that's completely new might feel that way. So basically, folks are starting to warm up to the, just the name Washington football team. And they might keep that name. Which, I mean, hey, it's their team. They can do what they want. Whatnot, but that's, that's kind of that's silly and whatnot. But I, I'd be down for it. You know, it would be the, the, the WFTs. Which, you know, if you, if you say that too quickly, you might think it says something else. But apparently they're taking in a lot of suggestions for names and logos, and they've received 15,000, 15,000 submissions for potential names and logos. Uh, they're keeping the red and gold color scheme, uh, which they're most known for. But, uh, you know, I was expecting to see a new name this year, um, but uh, not that they might just be going with Washington football team or the, yeah, the Washington football team. We'll see what happens. I think, you know, third Washington, D.C. area, I'm like, they should like the Washington Sanders or, you know, something something like that I think would be a good name or something related to the Washington, D.C. area, you know. I don't know. But uh, w, WFT, that might, be the, that might be the name from going from now forward. Although, tell you what, if, as a team, if you get defeated by another team that just has the name Washington football team, Eh, it's a little demoralizing. I mean, my, my, the team that I followed got beaten by them. I was like, ugh, we got beat by a team that doesn't even have a name. 
So follow that closely. Uh, if they make any changes, I will update you. Next, my friends, we go to the post office, which I don't know the last time any of you actually went to a post office. Uh, I go on a fairly regular basis. Um, I've actually made a point of this year because I want to support the post office to uh, send more stuff via mail. And here's the thing, friends. You may not realize this, but there's lots of very interesting stamps out there. Not to nerd out and whatnot, but uh, everyone knows the flag stamps and whatnot. But I would encourage you to poke around the uh, post office website, and they have lots of interesting stamps there. They've got stamps uh, about military dogs, moon landings, uh, some historical stamps. I mean, they're all forever 55-cent stamps. But what I didn't realize is that not only are there forever first-class stamps, there's forever uh, postcard stamps, and then they have special two- and three-ounce stamps for those letters that uh, are a little bit heavier than one ounce because 55 cents only covers the first ounce and it's 20 cents each additional ounce uh, until you get to like over over four, then there's a different rating. But anyways, they have like special two-ounce stamps, special three-ounce stamps. Instead of putting like five stamps on an envelope, you just put boop, one on there, and you're good to go. So I would encourage you to check it out. I bought like $100 worth of stamps Uh <laughs> Last month, because like, oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. So uh, now I have a, I have a stack full of stamps. I'm good for at least a year, maybe two. But not talking about stamps. I'm talking about the Postmaster General, uh, Louis DeJoy, who uh, thoroughly, thoroughly messed up mail. Have, have you noticed mail taking longer to get to you? Or some days you just don't get mail at all? Well, that's that guy's fault. That guy's fault. DeJoy's fault. Yeah, that guy. That That is directly... That guy's fault. Like, the first-class mail delivery rate success was, like, high 90s. And then when he took over, boom, kablunk, dropped off like a cliff. I mean, hey, that can't just be a coincidence, right? So, yeah, all his fault. Uh, lots of reasons why he may or may not be doing this or not. A lot of people say he's a political hack. I think he's a political hack. Uh, he's, he's, I don't think he's long for this world either. I think he's going to be kicked out and fired here by the end of the year. But, um, he, he, he's, he thinks he's going to be there for quite a while. So he announced a 10 year plan to save the post office, to save the post office, uh, includes longer mail delivery times and cuts to postal hours. So, uh, the post office will not be open as long as, uh, as it is now, which, you know, I don't know where you are, but hours aren't that great. Around the around the world, and you get really gotta get there during certain times if you want services there. And uh, he wants to make it longer, longer guaranteed time. So before he took over, ninety percent of first class mail, just an envelope with a stamp, got there in the lower forty eight in two to three days. Ninety percent, sometimes as high as ninety five percent. His goal is to have seventy percent of that mail get to where it needs to go within five days. You know, a week. And that is somehow going to save everyone money. Now, a lot of folks say, oh, you know what? We should just turn this over to UPS. We should turn over the post office to FedEx. Those guys know what they're doing. Well, let me ask you this, friends. Uh, how much does it take to send a letter through FedEx? Just curious. Yeah, they don't have a 55-cent option. And do you know who FedEx gives packages to, to rural parts of the United States? The U.S. Post Office. Yeah, that's that's who takes that package to the lowly cabin in Montana or to the 
the, the large ranch in Montana. Uh, that's who takes that there. It's not FedEx. They don't go. They they don't send a single FedEx truck to the middle of nowhere for a package that you know. That's the only package in that five county area. They give it to the post office, and the post office then takes it to them. Now, sometimes they do, but that's that's the sixty dollars service where they send a personal courier there. Regular FedEx service, you know, that is still you know seven, twelve, fifteen bucks. They still drop it off the post office. The post office takes care of the rest, okay? So people say that maybe maybe you should just sit back down. So that's what they're doing there. Um, a lot of people are upset about that. Uh, there, people, a lot of people get their medications through the mail, and a lot of medications have been delayed. I myself have been personally impacted by this. Uh, I wanted to get my passport renewed, and the passport renewal services in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is a hot dumpster fire in terms of mail service right now, I sent it out 12 days ago. First class mail, had put tracking on it, thank goodness, certified mail. It has, I sent it out, I think March, March 10th, March 11th. It has been sitting in a Philadelphia distribution center and hasn't moved since March 13th. Over 10 days, just sitting there hanging out with other mail pieces. I mean, hot dumpster Fire. It's a hot dumpster fire. Uh, I mean, I do. I feel for these postal employees who just have a mountain of mail to get through, and they don't have the resources to do it. They just don't. So, uh, we'll see if that happens. Might be coming to you. I encourage you to support the post office. So you know, buy some stamps, send some stuff through the mail. Maybe not through Philadelphia because that might not. Maybe nothing vital that has to go through Philadelphia because. I mean, also, I also had to wait three weeks for a check for somebody or a check had to go through Philadelphia and got stuck there for two weeks before it finally got to me. But everything else, use some stamps. Support the post office. We now go to Mars, where I believe I mentioned in a previous episode that there's currently a new Mars mission there. Uh, pretty amazing stuff that they landed this sort of, this they dropped this sort of vehicle gently onto the ground uh, via like a rocket system. And there's a very advanced rover what they're very excited about. And this rover has a little helicopter on it. So they can fly it around, take pictures, and take samples and whatnot. Now, the atmosphere on uh, Mars is thin. So they had to take a lot of engineering into this because helicopter, helicopter drone type thing will behave differently in that atmosphere than it will in our atmosphere. They've done a few test flights, flew it, flew it up, landed it, flew it up, and landed it and whatnot higher and higher before they do some um, some real real flying with it. But what I found to be very interesting is that a part of the Wright Brothers' first airplane is on that chopper. That's right. Uh, they NASA asked the museum that holds the uh, airplane that's the preserved to have a – they cut out a little postage stamp part of the fabric wing from the lower part of it and that piece of fabric is is attached to the chopper. So the a little piece of the Wrights brothers first airplane, first powered airplane that flew in 1903 is now on Mars flying through the Mars atmosphere which I just think is amazing that in less than 120 years imagine in less than 120 years we have gone from flying for the first time to flying something on Mars. I mean, if you just if you could just wrap your mind around that, that is bonkers. That is 
crazy. That's it's just amazing. I think it's amazing. Uh, so the um, the folks at the museum, uh, like I said, obviously Nancy they break in and steal a piece of the plane. They asked for it. Uh, the museum was happy to oblige. They think both the Wright brothers would be tickled to know that a piece of their plane was going through space and fl- now is now on Mars. Uh, it's uh, the little piece. Oh, it, it just it, to me it's just amazing. Now apparently in the Apollo one of the Apollo missions, Apollo eleven, a uh, piece of wood from the from the airplane traveled to the moon with Neil Armstrong. And a little, a little bit also went with John Glenn, who went on the space shuttle Discovery in 1998. Uh, both, uh, both astronauts were from Ohio, as you may know and whatnot. And um, you know, it's pretty amazing. I think it's, I think it's a very nice touch that they did that. That's a very connected to history and whatnot. I just, I, I just can't believe hundred less than 120 years later, a piece of the plane, the f- first plane, flew in the world on its own power, is now flying around on Mars. And that, to me, is just amazing. Just really, really amazing. So, read that story. Wanted to bring that to you. You know, big on science, big on history. And this is one of those times where both of those come together. Speaking of something that will be looked at 120 years from now with amazement and maybe even might reach another planet and being played there. Yes, I'm talking about the Rock Sessions. Yes, The Rock Sessions, hosted by my friend, Rocks. It's a drive-time show, making sure your commute home is fun. Uh, it features the hottest music on the charts and some other surprises in between. My pal, Rocks, will make it rock, rock style. You do not, you do not want to miss it. Right here on AWSM Radio, Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And uh, it, it's a great show. You should have the app. Download the app. Have it programmed into your phone. Listen to it. You'll enjoy it. Good music. Good little stuff in between that music. She is a delight to listen to. One of my, one of my good personal friends. So you hear from me. I make recommendations. And she is one of the best. Nothing wrong with her transmission. You can hear her clearly day in, day out, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And that's that, that, that quality, that's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Listen to it right here on AWSM Radio. Lastly, this week, my friends, you probably ask yourself, hey, what does Kermit the Frog, Janet Jackson, and Winston Churchill all have in common? Yes, they're part of the deep state, my friends, but they're also, their recordings are being preserved by the Library of Congress as being historically significant. Uh, every day, 60,000 different tracks are uploaded to the Library of Congress every year, but they only select 25 every year to highlight and decide to uh Preserve for historical purposes because they're significant to culture. So, uh, Kermit the Frogs, Rainbow Connection, Jan Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814, and the 1941 Christmas Eve broadcast of Winston Churchill and Franklin D. Roosevelt will be preserved for posterity. And who knows, my friends, one day, maybe one of my shows will, will be preserved. You know, maybe I'll find that Rainbow Connection, The Dreamers, The Lovers... And me, la la la. I I shouldn't sing that song. I'm a terrible singer. But anyways, check out that list. There's a lot of good stuff on it. Well, my fine friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Cope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you for joining me here today. And remember, you can find me on the Twitter, on the Rizzle, on the Instagram at Colt S. Taylor. Hit me up. Let me know if uh, you got any stories that you think I should cover or whatnot or just engage with me. I like chatting with my folks. Thanks to everyone who is 
already hit me up in the DMs, who slid into my DMs with with comments and compliments and some news suggestions. And of course, as always, go to ColtSebastianTaylor.com. Check out what I'm doing week in and week out. Not a place to be missed. It should be bu- bu- it should be bookmarked. It should be bookmarked across all your browsers. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a good rest of the weekend. Until next time, my friends, I am, of course, as always, your friend, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.